Our organist, Allison, had some health things come up this week, and so thank you so much to Lee for jumping in, and thank you to, to Lori for pivoting with us, and uh, so grateful we have a whole village of people more talented than myself. Um, so my question for you this morning is this, it's a really fun one. What if you won the lottery? Okay, that's a really fun thing to entertain in your mind. Uh, Renell and I were looking at some bills the other day, and we thought, oh, why, if we could just win the lottery, you know, so many of these headaches would go away. And uh, just to be clear, we have not ever played the lottery. We don't play the lottery. Don't ever play the lottery. You're just flushing money down the toilet. Don't do that. But, it, but I said, if I could win the lottery, okay, I mean, I would, I would pay off my mortgage, get whatever debt's behind me. That would, of course, be a thing. But, but here's what my one thing would be. My thing is, I would buy a personal chef. Someone who was on salary every day, you know, all, all year round, someone to cook just fantastic breakfast, lunch, dinner, all my snacks, you know, just, just healthy but exquisite, delicious food. Um, how awesome would that be? And they would clean up the kitchen, right? They would take care of all of those details. And uh, we would I would just spend the rest of my life just eating this incredible food that was actually healthy for me. Uh, how awesome would that be? And it's not that I actually just hate cooking that much, or it's not that I dislike my wife's cooking. It's not that at all. Uh, we, we do all right, but uh, man, how great would it be uh, to have uh, that, eat that well, and, and have, you know, with these little slivers of spare time you have in for it to not just all be consumed by a kitchen. So tell me that's not a genius way to, to be your one thing with, uh, with lottery money. But, you know, some people might say that, oh, you know, the lottery is just like so sinful. You shouldn't even, you shouldn't even mention that from the pulpit. But I would say the opposite. I think that, that actually you should stop and think if you won the lottery, if money was no longer going to be a challenge for you in life, and anything you wanted to spend money on, you could just spend money on it, what would you do? What would your life look like if money was never going to be an issue ever again for you? Okay, it's a great question because it says something about what your idea of heaven is going to look like. Heaven is like the lottery. It's the ultimate version of the lottery, in fact. A vision of heaven is a vision of what a great life would look like. Okay? So what is your vision of winning the lottery? That's my question for you right now. What is your vision of heaven? What do you think heaven is going to be like? Okay? Is it having your own personal chef for all of your meals every day? Is it fishing every day? Is it, you know, never having to get out of your pajamas? What is your vision of heaven? What's it look like? Now, the Bible, okay, the Bible spends almost no time or energy focusing on heaven. It just doesn't, okay? Uh, the Bible almost, it just doesn't talk about the afterlife very much at all. That's just not the focus of the Bible, 
All right? The clear, consistent focus of the Bible is God's faithfulness to you in your day-to-day life and how you can demonstrate faithfulness to God in your day-to-day life. But it does talk a little bit about heaven, what heaven is going to look like in this particular passage of Scripture we're going to look at today. And and that is actually helpful for you and I in our day-to-day life because if we know what heaven looks like, if the Bible gives us a little snapshot of what, uh, you know, like a little vision of heaven, what that means is that the Bible is showing us what a real lottery win looks like. It's showing us what the good life, the redeemed life, the eternal life. It shows us what a better life looks like. Okay, And that can kind of help us start to sort of lean into that good life now. Grow in our redemption and our salvation. We can have a better year next year when we begin to imitate eternity right now. When we model our life after God's story of eternal life. So... Today we're starting this new series, Next Year Will Be Better. We're looking at how God's bigger story for our life and for our world informs and gives shape to the choices and the habits that you and I make as we live into that story, into the the vision of God's good news for humankind. So uh, what I want to do is share this word from you, this word with you from Revelation chapter 7. And uh, I was going to read a whole lot more. But then I realized that uh, the text itself uh, needed us to just hone in on just two verses this morning. Uh, and so we couldn't possibly do justice to more than just two verses. So, so let me read for you Revelation chapter 7, just verses 9 and 10. Okay, This is what it says. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could even count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thanks be to God for that very good word. So here it is, guys. That's what heaven looks like. That's what it looks like to win the lottery times a million. Okay? This is what it looks like when your heart is, you know, finally soars, you're finally free, you're set loose, you are no longer constrained by uh, your, your aging body, your disabilities, you're no longer constrained by all the things that have scarred you. In your life, if you want to know what heaven looks like, what it looks like when things are going really, 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 really well, this is what heaven looks like right here. And if you jump down a few uh, verses, uh, just a, a few lines down, it cranks out a few more goodies. Okay, it says you're never hungry, you're never thirsty, maybe because you have a personal chef, you're never hot, you never cry. That's great. But those things are kind of a bonus. Okay? They just kind of like squish in a couple of those nice little things uh, there in one sentence. It's not really about physical comforts or good food or fun stuff or your own personal chef. In fact, okay, there's actually a really big focus here on people. People are in heaven. 
Heaven is about diverse people bonded together as they worship God together. If you look at at verse 9 there, it says, "...a great multitude..." that no one could count. There are a lot of people in heaven, okay? Heaven is filled with people. It's just a fact. What you see here in Revelation 7, especially uh, if you go and read Revelation 21, where it talks about heaven again, is you don't see that everybody lives in their own little mansion on top of a hill away from other people, far away from complicated, difficult people, okay? You don't see that at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. John's vision of heaven is a city. It's the new Jerusalem, okay? Everyone lives in a city with everybody else. And we just stand around together, worshiping God together. And I think that's actually a really, really important point to stress, especially to my fellow Americans, especially uh, to uh, all of us sitting in this room uh, with, our, with our big yards and our big houses. Uh, almost no one in this room lives in the city, right? We all live out there um, and uh, we, none of us really live in a city. But, but let's be clear about something. Heaven is filled with lots of people. And it's not just people. It's specifically diverse people. Okay? People who look and think and act and speak differently from you and from me. Verse 9 says, "...from every nation..." from every tribe, from every people group, from every language. Okay, and this is really the kind of punch you in the jaw part. It is diverse people. John really wants to be clear with you that diversity is really, really important in heaven. Okay, the ultimate life you can live, winning the lottery times a million, is a life surrounded by people who are different from you. It's not just for a bunch of people who look and sound and think and talk just like you. Heaven is a very uncomfortable place for racists, isn't it? Heaven is a really uncomfortable place for people to like stick up their nose at people from other countries, right? People in other countries. Heaven is a really uncomfortable place for people who are really impatient with non-English speakers. Because heaven is filled with this great multitude of people from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue. In other words, if you don't deal well with living living with people who are different from you, heaven just might feel a little more like hell to you. John says that all those people who are standing before the throne of God and before the Lamb of God together, in all of their kind of beautiful diversity, they're all worshiping God. What are they all doing? They are all with one unified, crystal clear voice worshiping God. And uh, you see this vision of heaven. It's all about these fraternal bonds of worship. Okay, Heaven is all about these horizontal relationships all pointed toward one single vertical relationship. In other words, if you were to win the ultimate lottery, if you were to arrive at the perfect life, if you could live and experience the best possible thing a human being could ever experience, 99% of that would just be this. A strong bond between diverse disciples worshiping God together. 
That's 99% of the ultimate human life. Okay? It's not hot. You're not hungry. You're not thirsty. You don't cry. But what is the vision that John gives you? Okay? Lots of diverse people connected together in this unified stream of worship towards God. Okay, and in a few weeks, we're going to really focus and drill down on that God, worshiping God piece. But today, I want to drill down on this first part, that it's all about these diverse saints together, because this is just really, really, really important. Okay, so now you have the vision, all right? Now you've been given this looking glass, you've been given this definitive vision of what the perfect life looks like, winning the lottery times a million. You're welcome for that, no extra charge. Uh, but so, so now you get to ask yourself the question. What is the thing that I can control? Like, What are the things that I can do in 2024 to forge stronger bonds with diverse disciples? And that's just a very, very incredibly, 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 incredibly important that you answer that question, I think. What is the thing or the things, okay, that are in your sphere of influence, okay? What are the things that you can control? Not asking what you can hope for. I'm not asking what could happen to you that would be a good thing if it did. All right, I'm asking you, what can you do? What monthly, weekly, uh, daily habits can you commit to that is going to slowly, inch by inch, forge stronger bonds, with diverse disciples of Jesus. Because no matter what you're going through in life, when you do that, you win the lottery. If you're married, what about your marriage? You know, say opposites attract, amen. You realize this other disciple, this other person is very, it's very different from me, right? So what are you going to do different in 2024 to forge a stronger bond with that person, Okay. Not what do they need to change, okay? What are you going to do? Say more, I love you, schedule more dates, give more hugs, cook more meals. What is it? Heaven is marked by a strong bond between diverse disciples, my friends. What about your family? Your kids are not you, right? Your parents, your siblings, they are not you. Your family is different from you. So what are you going to do monthly or weekly or whatever, daily in 2024 to forge stronger bonds with them. What about your church family, Christian community? That's what you are looking at in Revelation chapter 7. That's what you see in heaven, not biological family. What are you going to do in 2024 to forge stronger bonds with the diverse disciples of your chosen church family? Okay? What are you going to do? You join us for Wednesday nights for some good cooking. Join a Bible study group. Join the church as a member. Join a ministry team to serve shoulder to shoulder with other people. What are you going to do in 2024 to forge a stronger bond with the diverse disciples of your chosen church family? I can't believe I'm talking about 2024 right now so much. It is upon us. But this is our season of preparation. This is our season to prepare to do something with tremendous intentionality. Okay? Not scramble, you know, at uh, 11 p.m. 
uh, on New Year's Eve to, to, to scrape out some goals for the year, right? So this is what I want you to do, okay? This is a very short message today, by the way. You can breathe a sigh of relief. You want to live into God's bigger story about you and your world. And this is what I want you to do this morning, right now. Maybe before you go to bed tonight, if you need a, little, if you need a minute to think about it. I want you to write down what you commit to doing in 2024 to strengthen your bond with somebody who is different from you. I want you, maybe that's a spouse, maybe that's family, maybe that's church family, what, you know, whatever it is. I want you to be intentional, okay? Not just floating along, hoping things will materialize the way that you want them to. Be intentional. Do the, the you, I'm sure you've heard the smart thing, the S-M-A-R-T thing. Uh, specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, time-bound goals, right? Is it f- making phone calls? Is it giving compliments? Is it showing up more for church gatherings? Is it scheduling X many family trips? Is it committing to leave your cell phone by the front door when you walk into the house in the evening? What commitment can you make in 2024? What can you do to forge stronger bonds with someone who's different from you, with diverse disciples so that you together can worship God with one unified voice and taste heaven on earth in your own life. Write it down uh, right there in your church bulletin now or this afternoon. Let's pray together, my friends. Loving and generous God, we give thanks for every single name that we read this morning. We give thanks for the people that we have loved and lost in our lives. And we remember, Lord, that that is the good stuff. That our relationships, that's what's most important. That's what really endures and gives meaning and purpose and joy in our lives. It looks different in every single person's life what those relationships are, but God, I pray that that every single one of us will take time to be intentional as we prepare for a better year. Um, That we will be intentional about those relationships. That we will make plans to forge stronger bonds in this life, this short life that we are living. We love you so much, God, and we surrender our whole life, everything within us, we surrender and worship to you. It's in the name of Jesus, our brother and our Lord, we pray these things. Amen.